What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because people out there will pay for your skills. You just got to find them. One person who's done an excellent job of finding those people over the last nine months or so is Georgia Austin from wizardofcontent.com. She took her skill of writing and despite a crowded world of other writers out there, did over half a million dollars worth of work through the Fiverr platform last year, including $90,000 the month before we recorded. Stick around in this one to hear George's best practices for getting started on Fiverr, how she manages this huge order volume, and how she's transitioning to a standalone agency at Wizard of Content. Notes and links to all the resources mentioned, along with the full text summary of our call, are at sidehustlenation.com slash Georgia. While you're there, I put together a big list of 101 service business ideas that you could potentially offer to get those creative juices flowing. Again, you can download that for free at sidehustlenation.com slash Georgia. Ready? Let's do it. I wasn't necessarily thinking anything would come of this Fiverr account, but I made it and I uploaded my first, I think it was just one gig at the time. It was a website content gig. And to my surprise, I got my first order within two days. Um, So that was an amazing uh, thing to happen. I wasn't expecting it. You know, I kind of expected it to take, you know, at least a week to get my first order or I wasn't even expecting to get one at all. And then, you know, I just kept getting orders and kept getting orders. I did that for about one or two months. And then I got offered a full-time position as a marketing manager in New York, funnily enough, the same day as I got accepted to Fiverr Pro. And obviously me being me at the time, I was thinking, oh, you know, it's going to be more secure and, you know, maybe I'll have better career opportunities if I take this full-time position. So that's what I did. And then I did that for another, you know, eight, nine months. And then the company sadly you know, broke down a bit because of the pandemic or had a a bit of a rough ride at the time. I think they're okay now, which is good. But then I decided to turn my Fiverr Pro back on again. And it literally just blew up. I was not expecting it at all. When March came around, my revenue was tripling and tripling every month. And with that, Wizard of Content was born. So (laughs) quite the journey. Sounds like it. I want to pause and go back to this initial Fiverr gig, a website content gig. There are hundreds, probably thousands of other freelance writers on this platform. How did you set up this gig to get eyeballs, to get exposure, to get anybody paying attention to you, to get an order within just a couple of days? So one thing I did do, which I actually took this tip from Alex Vizzullo. I'm sure anyone who knows Fiverr knows Alex. I know you know Alex as well. So she um, gave a piece of advice for you to get your friends and family to purchase your gig. So Obviously, other prospective buyers are are really going to put trust in people who have a few five-star reviews. So that was something that I knew would be really important to gain that immediate trust. So what I did is I, I did some example work or, you know, practice pieces for my friends and family. And I on my two gigs that I had at the time, um, I had five, I, I made sure I got five reviews on each gig. So that really was I think the stepping stone for me to be able to get more orders and from real buyers. So if anyone's going to create a Fiverr account, I highly recommend that you do this strategy and it doesn't have to be a fake order. And I know that Fiverr, the internal team there, they're actually getting quite hot on this. They know that people are doing this. So uh, they obviously want every transaction to be as legitimate as possible or, you know, 
only be legitimate transactions. So I would definitely recommend that you do real work for your friends and family. You know, maybe your your dad has a, a medical company or, you know, your your mum needs a, a some blog written for her company, you know, anything, like any friend or family member, get them to buy your gig, do the job, and they can leave you a nice five-star review. And then I can almost guarantee you'll at least get one order come through pretty soon. It seems like the platform, the Fiverr platform, tries to encourage new sellers in this way. And there's like, this is one reason that there's always room for new people coming on is because like the top performers, you know, the super popular ones get booked out and they're like, yeah, I can do this, um, but it's going to be at a higher price because I'm super popular now and I'm booked up. So it's going to be, you know, three weeks to get this thing delivered. And so there's always room for uh, newcomers to get in on uh, in on the game. And this is a really common tactic as well. Like start with your network and maybe you're doing this in order to kind of seed the social proof on the platform, trying to get to that minimum five five reviews per gig. Like, okay, minimum viable social proof to get a stranger to say, you know what, I'm going to take a chance on this and see if that works. Do you remember if you ended up creating a video like for a while, like on Fiverr, you know, making a promo video for your gig was uh, a best practice. Is that still a thing? Absolutely not. I mean, I don't, I don't know if this works for other people, you know, in different categories, but I have never uploaded a video and I don't think I ever will. <laughs> not because I'm trying to like hide my identity or anything, but you know, I think for me, a gig photo has worked well enough. I'm pretty sure the second, the second and third pictures on each of my gigs, like I haven't changed since I made my Fiverr account. Only my main gig cover photos I've changed to have a bit more professional design and, you know, just it really elevates your presence. So if that's something to invest in is get an actual graphic designer to make your gig cover photos because that really helps you stand out. Okay. And of course you can find plenty of those on Fiverr as well. Looking at yours, they kind of look like YouTube thumbnails in a way, whereas, you know, a close up headshot and then it tells you what the service is exactly no they do um and they make such a big difference you know especially if you have a photo of yourself if you don't have a picture of yourself i think you're going to struggle to get buyers as often as somebody with a cover photo with their face on would so um that's definitely another one of my best practices okay yeah don't don't try and hide behind the screen trying to you know be upfront about it okay so what happens next so you get accepted to Fiverr Pro. Was this something that you proactively applied for? Yes, it was. So again, this is another thing that I saw that Alex was doing. She really helped me in my journey, you know, being able to see her journey kind of inspired my own. And I took some of her best practices as well. Um, And then, yeah, I decided to apply to Fiverr Pro. I knew that you instantly were able to charge a minimum of $100 per gig, which is an astronomical difference to what most people charge if you're not Fiverr Pro. I think I went from charging like $25 for a thousand word blog, or maybe not a thousand word, maybe it was like a 500 word blog or something for 25 bucks to a hundred bucks, which was insane. Like The price difference is just so big and it makes such a big difference, especially, you know, when you're taking on a lot of orders and everything adds up, you know? So um, that was definitely one of the best perks. <laughs> Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that on the the pricing front. So that it sounds like was the strategy early on, like pricing lower than where you might ultimately like to end up in order to gain some traction, gain some, uh, you know, build a portfolio and, and build some social proof with the hopes of raising rates over time. 
Absolutely. If you if you want to get more buyers and more reviews, because ultimately having more reviews is what's going to get you even more buyers, you know, more clients. So uh, make sure that you charge less than what you usually would. And some people don't like to do that, but it's definitely an essential thing you need to do in order to get more buyers to buy your gig and try you out because it can still be a risk to people. If you've still got five reviews on your profile, some people might still think it's a little bit risky. So yeah, that's another one of my best practices. <laughs> What's your reaction to people who say that Fiverr and Upwork and these other platforms are just a race to the bottom? Like I would love to charge a minimum $100 per article, but there's people out there doing it for 10. So how am I going to compete with that? It's difficult. I think to some extent, you know, you have to know your worth. And I think like when it comes to that, you also need to charge what's what you're worth and you will ultimately get the buyers to match that as well. People who want to charge cheap rates and people who want to pay low prices, they're ultimately going to go to those people that are charging like $5 for a service. So I don't think it's necessarily a worry for people to have to think they have to charge like $5 per gig or something. That's only something you should really do at the start. It's not something you should do long term. It's only a strategy to build up your reviews over time. Okay. Did you find that buyers kept coming back? Like, especially in the content world, it's like, well, if I need a blog this month, I might need another blog post next month. It seems like it is a service ripe for repeat buyers. Is that something that you found? A hundred percent. The beauty of copywriting is that everybody needs your help and everyone needs a copywriter. So literally any business you can work with can be your client because everyone has a website. Everybody has words on their website. And especially in this day and age, content marketing is king. You know, there's so much hype about content marketing and how much of a difference it can make, you know, engaging your customers, building brand loyalty, creating trust between you and your customers as well. And even just helping yourself come across like the leader in your market. So content marketing is so important for every brand. And I think it's time for people to realize how much of a difference it can make. And it actually offers an amazing return on investment. And something that's quite funny that I have with nearly every client I speak to, they're like, I know my product inside out. I love my business and I can write about it all day in emails and, you know, strategy documents and this and that. But when it comes to writing the content for my website, I can't bear to write it and read my own writing about the product. So sometimes it's nice to get uh, a third party or somebody to help articulate that for you. So I always have that with clients. And to be honest, it was the same for me. I didn't write the website content for Wizard of Content because I just I feel like if it's my writing, I just can't bear to, not that I don't like my own writing, but I think it's it's much nicer to have somebody else write it for you. I don't know what, what it is really, but I find it quite funny that everybody has this same problem. <laughs> I find it the same way with like Amazon uh, book descriptions. Like by the time it comes, you've, you've already spent months and months on this book project and then it's like the last thing before you hit publish. Oh, I got to come up with a description to punch into Amazon. <laughs> like this is so painful. How do I sell this thing like in 500 words or less? One thing I'm noticing on your uh, profile here is you know, similar services are kind of broken up. I don't know if this is to capture different search targeting or inside of Fiverr or inside of uh, like their different category dropdowns and stuff. But you have like, I will write content for your website. I will write engaging in a high quality SEO blog posts, which is probably more or less the same thing. I've got, 
I will write catchy product descriptions. I will write powerful SEO Amazon product listings. So tell me a little bit about the keyword strategy or the not necessarily shotgun approach, but the approach of creating different gigs for different similar services. Yeah. So the idea with this is that you want to target specific services. You know, you want to target specific areas where people will need your help. So I have a gig for website content. I have a gig for landing pages. And essentially the landing page and website content is basically the same gig, but I've actually used it as a strategy to for myself to show up twice in the same category. So, and actually this wasn't the plan at the start. I actually made it because I felt there was a need for solely landing pages rather than, you know, the overall website content, like homepage about me, et cetera, et cetera. And then both gigs ended up going on page one. So that was a a pleasant surprise. So I'm going to keep everything as it is and not not touch the gigs. And then, yes, I have those two. I have um, Amazon listings, Instagram posts, product descriptions, and I think there's one more, but I can't remember. And uh, like social captions. Social media captions. Yeah, that's the one. So yeah, with the titles, you have to kind of, my best practices is to have a mix of like some emotive words with keywords as well. So for example, my Amazon gig, I have, I've written, I will create powerful SEO optimized Amazon listings or something along those lines. So obviously the word powerful is quite an emotive word. People will think, wow, like she's going to write something that's really going to engage my customers and encourage them to buy my product. And that's exactly what I need. Something that is emotionally, something that will spark emotion and really connect them with my product. So that's where powerful is a, a good word to use. Yeah, I see powerful. I see engaging. I see high quality. I see catchy. So using some of these power word descriptions, because you don't get a ton of, of, of digital real estate, you don't get a ton of space in these uh, gig descriptions, but like trying to make it beyond just, I will do this thing. I will, I will do this thing and I will do it well. I will do it with personality and pizzazz and uh, we'll get this done. Okay. So that's, that's helpful. Anything else on this, you know, gig optimization or profile optimization that you think helped make you stand out? Um, I think adding some more credibility perhaps with the previous brands that you may have worked with. So if you go to the second photo on most of my gigs, you can see that it says like as featured in and a few different, I think maybe as featured in should be the right phrasing, but I mean like I've worked with these brands before. So I have like Joan the Juice on there, Nike, Under Armour, Kluke, and a couple of other well-known brands. So trying to give yourself a bit of a bit more credibility and showing your the previous brands that you've worked with. But that's just one way that you can do it. This is mainly a thing that people do if they don't want to show their portfolio. But if you do want to show your portfolio, you can obviously upload a few of your favorite samples just to make even more trust with the buyer. And that's something, again, that I would recommend if you have just created your gig make sure you have a portfolio, you know, a couple of samples there for people to read, um, because that's another way that you can gain trust with your buyer. But as you have perhaps 30 or 40 or 50 reviews, I would say that's the point where you can turn off your portfolio. And then you can just, you know, create a few different graphics of previous brands that you've worked with, or, you know, something like that, just to have something there for people to click through. And then people can contact you to see your samples that's actually the third picture on my gigs is contact me to see more sample work so just another way for people to get in contact with you and encourage them to to reach out 
Let me take a pause here to say thank you to FreshBooks for sponsoring this edition of the Side Hustle Show. Consistent FreshBooks users report saving up to 11 hours a week on their bookkeeping and accounting tasks. That adds up to a whole lot more deep work time to move your business forward. Up to 500 hours a year. That is huge. FreshBooks, if you're not familiar, it's the award-winning all-in-one invoicing and accounting solution that's built for service business owners like you. FreshBooks takes all of the not-so-fun parts of running a business from building and tracking invoices to organizing expenses to managing online payments, and it automates and simplifies them. I'll be the first to tell you, right, there is a lot to love about being your own boss, running the show, calling the shots, but trying to figure out your financials all on your own isn't one of those things. Now, how about this? How about a tax season that you didn't dread? What if it were easy? With a ton of reports to choose from from inside the intuitive FreshBooks interface, you'll know exactly where your business stands and you can easily hand the keys over to your accountant so they can take over when it's time to reconcile everything for the year. Give FreshBooks a try for free for 30 days. There's no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the side hustle show in the how did you hear about us section to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to get more time back to build the business you love. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Okay, do you find most people just click the buy now button or do people reach out and kind of describe their project beforehand? Yeah. So it's funny when people just buy straight away, I, I, I quite get scared a little bit so because you haven't discussed everything with them. And I definitely prefer it when people message me, but I would say at the moment it's probably 70% message first and 30% order themselves without asking. And I get quite a lot of repeat clients who just continue ordering without asking me just because you know they know who I am they've already briefed me on the project and the company and they don't really need to you know keep messaging me beforehand they can just go ahead and purchase whatever they want and I'll know exactly who they are and what they need and who their brand is and things like that so quite a lot of them just go ahead and purchase anyway but yeah I would say the split is about 70% and 30% respectively okay that's helpful to know from a fiver buyer perspective don't don't necessarily come in and just shock somebody with an order and expect like whoa 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 you know we ought to talk about this first or at least message about it first okay so take me back to this time frame this is spring summer this year where the business is described as tripling month over month and you're obviously delivering great work you're excited about all this volume of business that's coming through but just take me back to where you're at in terms of order volume, time required, like, okay, it's awesome to show up on the homepage or the top, you know, search results for your target keywords. But then there's this whole fulfillment side that's like, 
okay, now I got to, how am I going to get all this stuff done? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was definitely grueling hours. Honestly, if you want to create a fiber business and, you know, make it successful, you're going to have to deal with very, very high volume. (laughs) That's exactly what I was dealing with anyway. So when I started doing this on my own, I was doing, you know, 14, 15 hour days. It was ridiculous. Like morning to night, messaging clients, delivering edits, writing new content. And it was just absolutely too much. And I I would recommend to anyone else to hire a team quicker than I did. But having said that, I I did hire people pretty quickly into my journey, but perhaps I could have done it, you know, a month earlier or something. But right now my setup is that I have an operations manager. So somebody who you know, dishes out the content to the writers. And then I have people who make briefs for the writers. Um, And then I obviously handle the inbox. Um, And I have somebody else who also helps handle the inbox as well. So it's really a a big team effort. We we receive over, I would say over 50 to 60 inquiries per day. So it's definitely a big operation. (laughs) It's a big operation going on. And you know, it takes a team at the end of the day, you can't do this thing on your own. So if you want to get to the stage where I'm at in this industry, then you're going to have to create a team because that's where you get the best results. At what point during these 14 to 15 hour days, do you say, I can't go on like this? I gotta, I gotta get some help. Because I mean, there's this one thing where like, you know, if you are, if you've ever found yourself in the position of being that busy, at least in my mind, it's like, I'm too busy chopping down trees to sharpen the saw. Like I don't have, I know it's going to be, you know, one step back for hopefully two steps forward, but in the moment, that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah, for sure. It can be so, so difficult. And I think if maybe you don't have enough revenue or enough clients to have a big team like I do, I would at least, if you were a writer, I would at least recommend onboarding an editor, like even a freelance editor who can help you because Honestly, when you're taking on new projects and messaging clients in the inbox, the last thing you want to do is be editing other clients' work, especially if people aren't happy. It can be a real kicker, you know, it can demotivate you sometimes and kind of it just adds unnecessary stress that you don't need. So having an editor is so helpful. Was that your first hire? Actually, yeah, you know what? So one of my best friends who are, you know, we've been friends for over 10 years. We grew up in the same town together, went to the same college together, worked for the same agency together. He was actually the first person that I brought onto the team. He's kind of a, a writer slash editor. So it's great to have somebody who's kind of an all rounder. So he was helping me with the edits. He was helping me with some writing. Um, and from there, we expanded to hiring other candidates. When it's your face on the profile pictures and like people are like expecting you or are people expecting you is it hard to get away from that and this is kind of the the freelance trap right I'm selling my skill I'm good at this but there's only so many hours in the day that I have to deliver this stuff so I I got to bring on help if I want to grow this thing exactly that's a really good point actually because when I first started you know I really I really hesitated bringing on anyone at the start and this was something that was so difficult for me to come to terms with is that I felt like I was being dishonest with people and the annoying thing about Fiverr is that you cannot change your username so if I wanted to I couldn't change from Georgia E. Austin to Wizard of Content and at the same time I wouldn't want to because what I have right now is working so why should I change it to something else you know so I I did have a, a bit of a difficult time coming to terms with the fact kind of feeling like I was lying to clients but 
nobody's actually ever asked me if it's just me doing the work or if I have a team. So I've never had to deal with anyone being worried about that anyway. But, you know, at the end of the day, you need to make sure that you're bringing on people that you can trust. You're bringing on people who are absolutely qualified to do what they do. For example, if you're in the writing industry and making sure you have writers, you know, with however many years experience or, you know, read their sample work to make sure that they're good writers and, you know, they can spot mistakes and, you know, good editors as well. So making sure that you have people on your team that you trust and that live up to your expectations and, you know, your work standards, then you won't have a problem because everything I deliver on my Fiverr account, I'm I'm confident that it's great quality, exactly what people have asked for. And this is obviously, you know, partly due to or mainly due to, you know, me understanding exactly what they need and it going through a number of edits before I deliver the content. We brief the writers in a lot of details. So, you know, there's a lot that goes on behind these orders. Um, And obviously the client just places an order and receives the order. So they don't really know how much effort goes into these pieces. Yeah, my friend uh, Kai Davis, he put it this way. He's like, are you selling your time or are you selling results? And it's like, if you are kind of trapped in this, you know, hours for dollars, like I'm the only person who can do this, then that's a rough place to be and it can be kind of difficult to get out of. But if you're selling the result, engaging, high quality, catchy content for your site, then behind the scenes as a, as a customer, doesn't really matter to me how it gets done as long as it gets done to with the standards that I'm looking for. So what happens next? Are you comfortable sharing like rough uh, revenue volume of what the business is doing today? Yeah, absolutely. So our biggest month this year, we did $90,000, which was absolutely wild. And this was obviously just in Fiverr. So wow, we do obviously have the the revenue for Wizard of Content as an actual agency outside of Fiverr. So we did over 100K this specific month, which is amazing. And the revenue on Fiverr is only growing. But having said that, you know, Fiverr is just a part of the operation. And it's it's a big part of the operation, but we are growing as a content agency outside of Fiverr as well. So that's a really big focus for us come 2022. We want to grow the agency and, you know, tighten up our operation and, you know, just become the best agency that we could possibly be. And Fiverr would just be a source of revenue for us. You know, it's just an easy way to find clients. I have a good profile on there. I don't see myself leaving it anytime soon, but the main thing for me is to grow Wizard of Content as a credible agency and deliver the same, you know, amazing service that we're doing in Fiverr just off of Fiverr. So just replicating what we have there off of the platform, really. Yeah. Talk to me about that transition, because this seems to be somewhat common in that, okay, I'm going to use a platform, whether it's Fiverr, whether it's Amazon, whether it's even YouTube to a certain extent, like you're using these like mini search engines to validate and get social proof and build a portfolio and, you know, get your confidence and even start to build your team up and then trying to drag people off of the platform. Not necessarily that you would want to do that, you know, from Fiverr customers, but like in terms of e-commerce on Amazon, like, well, I can include a little insert in my package that we'll get 10% off when you go directly through our website instead. I don't know if Amazon likes that either, but like trying to not be so reliant on these other platforms because you're one 
algorithm change away from from disaster in some cases. So talk to me about this transition and trying to ramp up revenue on the on the solos or on the agency side. Yeah, for sure. So the idea is that you know we won't take clients off of Fiverr because that's obviously against terms of service. So anyone who finds us in Fiverr, we stay inside Fiverr. You know, on the very rare occasion we'll get people who have found us in Fiverr reach out to me like on LinkedIn, for example, and I'm not going to deny their request, you know. So Anyone who comes in on Fiverr pretty much stays in Fiverr. We don't take people off the platform. But as for Wizard of Content, you know, this is exactly where the difficult part is. You know, we're only just kind of still in the beginning stages of starting our sales strategy. And we do have a sales consultant who's been, you know, gearing us up for 2022 and, you know, outlining some message templates and creating some buyer personas and we have all of that nailed down which is amazing so we're really we're ready to go basically but the problem is now is figuring out how we're going to get people to trust us when they've never heard of us before because obviously with Fiverr you have all these amazing reviews and basically you just have like a much more reliable platform but off of that you know we can just be another another sales email for them and we don't want to be that so we're kind of trying to think of some more innovative ways that we can engage people and right now we're kind of going down the route of doing hyper personalized emails and I guess with that we'd be growing at a slower rate but I think it's more important to get it right rather than focus on scaling 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 to the point where you're delivering quality bad quality work or alternatively not finding the right clients that you want to be working with so these are you're talking about cold outreach emails to prospective clients like hey i noticed you have content on your website or maybe you your last blog post was updated uh, 18 months ago have you thought about in making an investment here exactly i know it's yeah it's funny because that was actually some of the things that we thought of saying but it's so difficult because how can you say unique things to people it's really hard to think about that actually so you have to think out of the box and it's really a, a a lot of teamwork involved in thinking of these new ways that we can contact people and things we can say to people. And me personally, I know that I will respond to a sales email if I know that the person has specifically made that email for me, or at least I'm, I'm convinced they've made that email for me. Uh, maybe it's still just another automated email that they've you know personalized in some way, but something that's kind of as, as targeted as to that person as possible, then that would be good. Yes, if you can kind of break through the clutter and at least make it seem seem what's somewhat personalized. Okay. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
One of the toughest parts about starting and growing your business is figuring out how to build relationships. As you know, people are more likely to buy from and do business with people they know, like, and trust. But when it comes to networking, where do you start? And what if you're more introverted like me? What if you're more wallflower than social butterfly? Well, there's a recent episode of a great podcast called This is Small Business that walks you through how to figure this stuff out. The episode is called How Networking Can Help You Build and Grow Your Business and Inside You'll learn practical tips on how to build business relationships that don't feel so transactional. A couple parts I liked in particular were how to break into those uh, tight little circles at networking events where you're kind of standing around awkwardly on the outside, and then what you should say in a follow-up email to somebody that you meet there. This is Small Business answers a ton of these questions that all entrepreneurs have, like how to use social media to grow your business, how to find your ideal price point, how to know when you're ready to launch your product, and tons more. So give it a follow. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, I was going to ask if there was any niche or industry that you found to kind of narrow down this broad sea of available companies to write for. Because it's like, well, that's like you said, everybody needs content. But if you're trying to serve everybody, that's a difficult place to be in. I was curious if there was a niche like, oh, I do content writing for personal finance sites or something like that. So I know something that we're really keen on doing is focusing on e-commerce companies, but that's not necessarily going to be the only thing we're doing. We're really happy to work with every brand you could imagine. Like anyone who needs our help, we're obviously going to work with them. Um, But in terms of the services that we want to offer, because we want to focus on getting, you know, retainer agreements with clients off of Fiverr, we're looking for people who need ongoing content. For example, you know, product descriptions, you know, you have four drops per year, you're going to need ongoing product descriptions or blog posts, people who need to up their content marketing strategy, they're going to want to post, you know, two blog posts per week. So, you know, you're going to have to think of these ongoing services that people need um, in order to keep their business. So that's really what we're focusing on right now. How does pricing differ, if it does, between Wizard of Content and the Fiverr profile? The pricing is going to be the same. For some services, you know, we're thinking of launching a new service which would be focused on verbal identity. Um, and that would kind of be a project that would require a few more calls with the client to really understand their brand. And it would require, you know, additional branding consultants to come in and, you know, make sure that we have all the information we need from the client in order to construct this verbal identity. Um, so that would be a service, for example, that would cost higher than our standard rates. But in terms of in fiber prices and off fiber prices, there really won't be too much difference. And actually, the rates we offer would probably be better than in fiber because obviously, there's no percentage being taken. So yeah, usually it would work out better for the client. But as we grow, and as we, you know, expand our team, perhaps this might change over time. Is it still a 20% fee that Fiverr takes? Unfortunately, yes. And they also take 20% off the tip as well. <laughs> Do they really? Yeah, I know. I know, really? Like, take 20% of the gig price, but 20% of the tip, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the 90 grand uh, that you mentioned is, is your best month on Fiverr. It was kind of the top line, and so they took the 20% off of that? Yes, exactly. Oh, no, no, no. That was... Um, 
before yeah so the 90 percent 90 grand was after they'd taken 20 wow oh my gosh so he's running a serious volume through there yeah that's awesome man congratulations on that I remember this is like 2014 timeframe. One of my gigs was I will do like this video audit of your website. Just turn on the screen recorder five minutes, you know, give you feedback on usability, SEO, conversion rates, you know, whatever, like first impressions of the site. And I woke up one morning to find my inbox flooded with orders. Like it's really hard to underestimate the just like traffic that some of these sites are getting. Like if you can have visibility on these sites, it can blow up your business in an instant. And in my case, like it was, you know, this $5 gig and I had some upsells and it was a ton of fun to go through and, and deliver all these. But, you know, and I, you know, quickly go onto the site, like, oh, there's my mug on the homepage. Like, okay, that's why, that's why all these things are coming in. And it was a ton of fun to go through and, and deliver these. I was actually traveling with, uh, with my wife. And so she was at a, her conference thing and I'm like sitting at the coffee shop, like knocking out these video reviews, but it was a ton of fun. And so that's kind of the, the thing is like trying to go where the cash is already flowing, getting in front of customers where they're already doing business, and then using that to build something on your own that hopefully isn't somebody else isn't taking a fee out of that you have a little bit more control over algorithm changes and stuff like that. Tell me about the like management side, the tech stack side of, okay, I've got 50, 60 inquiries coming in every day. How do I... I guess, visualize the funnel flow from inquiry to customer, to brief, to draft, to edit, to final delivery, like all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, for sure. And that's a good point to mention because Fiverr is not built really for people like me, like, you know, people like me who have a business running behind a personal account. You know, there's no like tools that automatically make a brief with the information that is on the gig page, for example, um, they can't draw all the information from the conversation into the brief as well. Like if there was some kind of tool that could do all of that, I would be the happiest person in the world because right now it is so manual. And that's why I have a number of people doing individual things with each order. So to go through the life cycle, so we'll get an inquiry and we'll ask a couple of questions to the client mainly things like, you know, just to give us a a brief on what they need, what content type they need, how many words or how many pages. And if they don't know, we can give them a rough indication of the rate depending on how many pages they will need. Um, And then we'll send the offer, they'll pay. From there, we'll note down the username of the person that has purchased in a Google sheet. And from there, the brief maker will create that brief and then they'll put that into Trello into a a brief board and then from the brief board they'll move it to the writer's board where um, the operations manager will assign that to a specific writer and then the writer will deliver it to the editor the editor will review quality check submission will submit the order and the client can either accept reject or sadly cancel (laughs) oh okay so yeah that's it (laughs) on the hiring side how do you figure out how to pay people or how to pay people on a scaling basis versus, you know, committing to full-time employees. If I don't know the volume of work is going to be there and making sure you still have the margins that you need to have a profit and and grow the thing. For sure. So for us, it's like, we don't hire any full-time employees. The only full-time employees I have is my operations manager and my CMO. So they're the only full-time employees I have. Um, 
we have a few quote unquote full time writers, but they're still all freelancers. They're still contractors. So for us, there's no risk. It's like if we make money, you know, they get paid. There's never really a loss for us. If we get an order, they'll complete the order that, you know, they'll do the job. We'll submit it to the client. Like we don't pay people if the work isn't there. So it's a really good model we have going on. You pay like on a per word basis. Exactly. Yeah. We pay on a per word basis. We don't have any, any writers who are earning, you know, they're earning like a, a set number per month. We'll basically pay them per word. So that's what we're doing right now. And then inside Trello, anybody can claim it like first come first serve. If somebody is like hungry for more work. No. So when we onboard people, we onboard specialist writers. So we onboard beauty writers, we're onboard real estate writers or tech writers, crypto writers, you know, we'll onboard people for specific industries or people who have experience in a few different industries, for example. And then we'll assign the work to them based on their best skill set. So that's a win-win for the clients, really, because they get work from writers that not are not only interested in what they do, but they also have the most experience in it. So that's definitely a unique selling point from what we offer. Okay. And it sounds like everybody is remote. You were in Brazil. Now you're back in the UK. Uh Everybody is working from home. Yeah, exactly. And this is another thing that I think we do really nicely is just, we're really kind of trying to defy the traditional ways of working. And I believe that people should be in countries or locations you know any setting where their creativity can flourish why does somebody have to be located in the UK why do they have to be located in the US I don't care where anyone is what time zone they're in you know if they're writing on a beach if they're in the pool if they're doing whatever as long as they can do the work to a good standard and submit work on time then I'm really flexible as to where they are (laughs) okay and if somebody's paying you 30-ish cents a word, 35 cents a word. Where do you like to be in terms of margin that you're paying the writer to do that? So the margins are generally between 50 and 60%. So um, that's pretty much what our average margin is. Okay, so you can find people at 15 cents to 20 cents. Okay, just trying to get a sense because this is similar to people who have cleaning businesses and they'll say, okay, I'm going to take 40% for overhead and pass 60% on to the cleaners actually doing the work. You don't want to cut it too thin. And then you're like, hey, you're obviously a great person to work for. Like you're paying so well, but then there's nothing left over and the business can't invest in other things that it needs. So, okay. Wizardofcontent.com and fiverr.com slash Georgia E. Austin. What's next for you? What's a day in the life actually first? Like hopefully we're not at 14 hour days anymore, but like, what's a what's a typical day or a week if there is such a thing today? So a typical day for me is honestly just kind of checking in to see that everything is flowing smoothly. The first thing I do is I'll kind of hop onto my emails, check my emails, see if there's anything urgent that needs responding to. And then I might check the Fiverr and just see if there's any, again, any urgent things that need responding to. I'll say hi to my team on Slack. I need everyone to know that they're going to have a great day, send some kind of emoji or meme in the in the general channel. And then I'll probably have some meetings in the morning. I much prefer to have my meetings in the morning because I'm a morning person. I'm, I'm not a night owl by any means. So I much prefer to speak to people when I'm a after I've just had my morning coffee. So I'm, I'm definitely high spirits. Well, I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to call you up so late. Oh, no, don't worry. It's fine. It's, it's only 6 p.m. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'm definitely a morning bird 
You doing any writing yourself still? I do still do some writing, but quite rarely. For me, my most important thing, my focus is on just growing the business. So there's quite a lot of things I'll be doing in order to, you know, kind of set a clear vision for the company and just make sure that I'm pushing the business forward every day. Because despite the fact that we've had so much growth this year alone, it's we're still in the early stages of our company. You know, they say that your business, or I, I'm not sure what the statistic is, but it's like most businesses fail within the first year or something like that. But I can't remember what the, the phrase is, but I don't want to forget that we're still early on in, in our growth. So every day I'm just making sure that, you know, I'm on the grind and working hard to push the business forward and making sure that we have everything we need, you know, everything in place to keep growing and just get to where we need to be. So I'm very positive for 2022. My next high will probably be sales um, person. And I probably see the need to hire an account manager at some point. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to look forward to for next year. So I'm really excited about that. Could you have imagined, it has been a rocket ship. Could you <laughs> imagined nine months ago that you'd be all of a sudden sitting on this agency doing a hundred grand a month? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I just honestly can't, I still can't get over it. And I'm so grateful for every day and just that I've had this opportunity and it's taught me so much about business and how to manage a team. And that's actually the best thing I've learned this year is how to manage people and how to create a good team environment. And your team is everything. Like you will not have success without an amazing team. So being able to treat people well and, you know, be kind and, you know, just do everything you can to make sure that people feel respected and happy. And most importantly, giving people freedom is something that I've learned as well. Yeah, it's just been an amazing experience. So I'm really excited to see where I am this time next year. <laughs> me as well. We should do a, a catch up. I'll have to do yeah. a follow up. Oh my gosh, I'd love to. <laughs> Well, Georgia, this has been awesome. Again, wizardofcontent.com. Check her out over there. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Follow the demand. Seeing as this whole thing has been focused on, you know, Fiverr and gig marketplace and things like that, I would say follow the demand. When you get too many orders or too many inquiries, don't say that you're too booked up. This is your opportunity to grow your business. So, Bring on people you need to bring on to fulfill those orders and just keep accepting everything. And soon you'll be on your way to having an agency, if that's what you wish. <laughs> Follow the demand. I love it, Georgia. Thanks so much for joining me and we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Georgia. couple important notes that stood out to me. First was that she already had this skill of writing and looked at Fiverr as a way to find clients for that skill. It's a marketing channel for the business, not the business itself, even though right now it's a huge percentage of the pie. And I also appreciated that she was upfront about the grueling hours it took to deal with the order volume that she was getting. Some other side hustle show guests have called this the trough of despair, the valley of despair, or the hold your breath and sprint period, as long as you can see that light at the end of the tunnel. That's the important part because you can't sprint forever. The light in this case and in most cases, was hiring other team members to help with the workload. So Georgia could step into that role of manager and CEO, stepping into that role of business owner versus business doer. Now, if this type of agency model appeals to you, another episode I recommend checking out is last year's call with Tyler Gillespie. It was called Built to Sell in episode 430. 
It was on how to design a service business to run without you. In the offline space, my episode with Anthony and Janilka Hartzog on their uh, local cleaning business is worth a listen or a re-listen as well. That was episode 438 from last spring. In any case, super inspiring story, taking a competitive a space as any and still finding a way to build a significant income and help a ton of customers as well. I've got a list of 101 service business ideas to get your creative juices flowing. Some of those are definitely ripe for fivering to try and replicate some of George's success over there. You can download that for free at sidehustlenation.com slash Georgia. Big thanks to Georgia for sharing her insight. Thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. Go ahead, start your 30-day free trial of the number one invoicing and accounting solution for freelancers and service providers and agency owners at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where you'll meet the full-time college student who built a $700,000 business in his spare time. I'll see you then. Hustle on.